0: Hey, what's up everybody isaac here civil engineering academy excited to be with you on another sweet podcast episode thank you for those that like and subscribe and whatever leave good reviews for us we love seeing that stuff and uh we just love passing it on to the next engineer so anyway just appreciate you listening or watching this if you're checking this out on youtube or visiting our website so appreciate you being here today i have an awesome guest paul stone who graduated in Kentucky, now works in Georgia, but is very heavy in transportation engineering and uh, traffic. And I wanted to bring him on because he's got over 31 years of experience dealing with transportation engineering. And we kind of just hammer that out, what his experience has been like, how he got involved in that world, the flavor of projects that he's worked on, and really tips and advice for young engineers that are coming into that industry Um, including pay scale and pay ranges for those that are considering this field. So anyway, it was a fascinating conversation with Paul Stone. I think you're really going to enjoy it. Go check him out on his LinkedIn profile. We'll make sure we leave some notes about that. And if you have any questions about transportation engineering, you can reach out to him as well. We'll leave that in our show notes too. So anyway, without further ado, let's head over to our interview with Paul Stone right after this. Hey, have you struggled to find time to actually read a book? I know I have. Life is busy, four kids, all of that jazz. It makes it really hard to actually sit down and read a book. So you know what I turned to? I turned to Audible, and we have an affiliate with them. If you go to civilengineeringacademy.com audible, that's A-U-D-I-B-L-E. You can jump on and find your favorite titles to go anywhere with you. Use that link, you'll get 30 days for free. You'll also get a couple of credits and if you're already a Prime member, you'll get two credits, which is good for some premium selection titles that you can actually keep but go check them out. I really have enjoyed Atomic Habits by James Clear, which gives you an easy and proven way to build good habits and break bad ones. They've got fun ones like Dune that are on there and tons of others. So if you're in the hunt to find time in your day to listen to books, definitely give them a shot. Go to civilengineeringacademy.com audible. That's A-U-D-I-B-L-E and go get a free 30-day trial of Audible. Go check them out. Hey guys, if you haven't already, I want to let you know about our awesome newsletter. If you haven't signed up for the Civil Engineering Academy newsletter, seriously, what's wrong with you? I'm just kidding. Go check it out though. You'll get all the latest episodes that we produce, blog articles, exams, discounts, course material, all this fun stuff is through our newsletter. So if you haven't signed up, go check it out. That's civilengineeringacademy.com newsletter. You'll be taken. Go sign up. And uh, you'll start getting our fun newsletters that we send out usually once a week. So go check it out, civilengineeringacademy.com slash newsletter and go sign up. Paul, thank you for jumping on the Civil Engineering Academy podcast. I appreciate you uh, taking the time to do this with us. I'm very happy to be here. Yeah, this will be fun. So one of the things I wanted to bring you on about is really to help other people understand more about your background and really the field that you're specializing in, which is transportation. Our audience deals with a lot of engineers that are either entering this world of civil engineering or they're well ingrained into it, but it's always nice to hear what everybody's working on. So I guess I love to ask maybe for you to describe what's your background in working in traffic and transportation engineering and why did you head that way?
1: Well, it actually began in my college years. I had a very influential professor at the University of Kentucky. And also through my college years, I was on a scholarship program with the Kentucky Transportation Cabinet, very similar to, uh, say, a GI Bill type thing where they paid me while I was in college and I owed them so many years of service afterwards. And through the you know, mentorship of this particular professor, I took several of his courses. One, I had an interest in it to start. And then also uh, there were some course limitations when I was uh, finishing up my last couple of semesters and there were about the best options available. I really leaned into those and enjoyed them, and during my initial year rotation through four different divisions at the Kentucky Transportation Cabinet, I went through uh, two planning divisions, traffic engineering, and design, and I really liked design, however, traffic engineering ultimately had the largest need. And they also had a couple of projects on the books that were being let for construction. And they were specifically traffic signal projects. And they were installing the interconnect cables for communications and so on and so forth. So they were going to coordinate two very large traffic signal systems in two different corners of the state. And I just bullheadedly told the rest of the guys, I can do that. And I said, they're your projects. So... uh, They were my projects from the get-go. I learned how to program the controllers, which are really industrial computers. They speak their own language. They are by no means iPhones or Androids or they don't run Windows. Very unique languages, and especially then. And um, those projects were uh, very successful. I was hooked. I went on from there. I was um, always in the field, always had my head in a traffic signal cabinet and um, running around the entire state doing that work
0: for the cabinet. Were you graduated at this time or still in school this Yes, this is
1: all postgraduate. Awesome. I tell people all the time I dropped out after I got my bachelor's degree. I could not uh, stand college enough to proceed with a master's. I got out and uh, immediately started working. And then um, after my time was up with the transportation cabinet, we started to have a a young family. And uh, my wife was insistent upon uh, scaling down the area I was responsible for. So we went from the entire state of Kentucky to the city of Louisville. It's my hometown. And uh, I knew uh, some of the people that worked there for the city and the Department of Public Works and uh, started working there, basically doing the same job within a smaller scale of city limits. And then um, after a few years there, I moved up to what was basically the city traffic engineer for the city of Lexington. They called it the signal systems manager position there. Both cities were going through a transformative time modernizing centralized signal systems for both cities taking out some very antiquated equipment from the 60s and 70s. Those were interesting projects and even the evolution of those systems to what is there today is still phenomenal leaps in computing power and technology. Once I started working for the city, I did discover that local politics was worse than state politics and uh, made the eventual move to private practice where I have been uh, since 2001.
0: Wow. There's a lot to unpack there. You've been busy. How have you, I guess, been able to balance all of that as you have uh, grown into these different roles? It sounds like your wife, you had a small family. Let's get to a smaller area. Then you've become a manager. Has there been challenges in balancing your role as on top of everything else you do? You do education, you're a mentor. You do a lot of that as well. How have you been able to balance all that? It's not been easy.
1: And I've learned a lot of hard lessons along the way from the perspective of uh, mentoring others. I mean, I've literally tried to transplant my brain into other people, which I learned just does not work well. Everybody uh, has their own unique approach to things. And uh, you have to tailor how you manage people. You know, you have to tailor it to the individual. Some people are very uh, responsive and aggressive and they want to learn. Others are a little slower, need a little more encouragement, things of that sort. And when I became a signal system manager, that was a very rough transition for me from the standpoint of I had never managed anyone before. And then all of a sudden I have a staff of 12. That was a bit of a culture shock. Big jump.
0: Maybe there's some good stuff there because many engineers are typically labeled that they don't make good managers. Why do you think that is? Why is there such a gap there? I've done a little research on this and what I've
1: found fits me to a T. I mean, engineers, they care about things, you know, they want to tinker, they want to touch things, they want to build things, they want to make things. To be more of a manager, you're more of a people person. An introverted, nerdy engineer is not necessarily a people person. I think it's taken me quite a long time to evolve to a point where I am. And a lot of self-study and research, I've found that if um, someone doesn't take you under their wing and actually groom you for management, it's very difficult to get there on your own.
0: That makes sense. I think, you know, going along with that, I think sometimes engineers feel like they're going to, they're losing maybe that engineering skill. They're not necessarily in the weeds anymore, you know, and then as a manager, you kind of oversee it. You have to assign it, you delegate stuff and you're in charge of people and personnel and hiring, firing, and all that jazz. I have sense that as you grow older in your industry, you're doing less of the actual engineering work and maybe some engineers feel like they don't want to lose those skills, I guess.
1: I can relate to that as well. If I'm rusty with anything, it's certain pieces of software. If I, you put a gun to my head and had me draw something in CAD, that, that would be a losing proposition these days. And you know, I will say by and large, students graduating today Would just run circles around, you know, graduate Paul from 1992. The stuff (laughs) that um, today's generation knows coming out of college is just so much more in depth. Just the aggressiveness and the energy was way more than what I had way back
0: then. Yeah. Well, that's, I guess that's good speaking as the whole for university. So that's good. I think so. From the perspective of the manager losing the skills,
1: I think uh, having that good foundation. I've always uh, been the type to say, never stop learning. And uh, I don't think that I have. I would still say that I'm coming up with uh, theories and hypotheses of uh, things that happened early in my career. I can look back at a couple of projects. Why did that turn out that way? And only in the last couple of years, I've developed some crazy eyebrow-raising theories as to why, but they kind of make sense. The hiring and firing side, I've had managers before that had, Literally no comprehension of the work that I did. You want to be accurate. You want to be truthful. You want to be outright. If there's a problem with a project, something's not going to work, you got to tell them. And don't just say, oh, yeah, it's going to be fine. It's going to be fine. It's going to work. No problem. Not everything does work all the time. And I would also say that, uh, you know, if you've get developed that good, I guess, the 10,000 hour rule, there's been some debate about that, but I've put in my 10,000 hours, know what's going on. And Very authoritative and uh, even with uh, modern methods, be it software, GIS, CAD, whatever tool that we have at our disposal now, I can still look at something and know about what the results should be and can guide someone in the process, may not be the tools that they're using, but guide them in the process and the steps of what they need to um, perform their daily duties. That makes sense.
0: On a larger whole, what are you seeing as a challenge or the biggest challenges in the transportation industry?
1: Oh, that's easy. Funding.
0: Funding. (laughs) I thought all kinds of funding was coming through.
1: The funding, if you're talking about the infrastructure bill that was passed last year, there are some interesting perspectives on that. I'm in Georgia, and one of the perspectives that I hear from the Georgia Department of Transportation and their officials is that... The money that's coming in, it's split out over multiple years, and yes, the money does come in for uh, different categories, you know, safety, electrification of, you know, uh, for electric vehicles and all those other types of things. The money that's coming in roughly raises GDOT's budget about 20% each year. Inflation is raising costs 30%. So it's not even covering... The increasing costs due to inflation of the projects that are already on the books. So the thought that this is going to be new money and an injection into the system that's going to get a lot of backlog projects built is not
0: the case. It's also not helping our paychecks. No, it's not. (laughs) Oh, man. Okay. Well, funding is still a problem with inflation. Funding is always the problem. Got it. Okay. That's good to know. Let's talk a little bit about this. You opened up what's called the Sloan Transportation Institute. What was that idea? What does it do? The
1: Sloan Transportation Institute is more of a concept. Now it's more of a gag than anything else. I have several close colleagues in the industry, and I'll um, refer to them as Dr. Dr. Glasser, Dr. Taylor, and Dr. DeSanza, some of my um, best friends that I really enjoy working with. So um, everybody asks why I do that. I said, well, I just awarded them an honorary degree from the Saloon Transportation Institute. And I guess similar to what you do at the Civil Engineering Academy, I, it was a dream several years ago to perhaps continuing education type uh, classes. And uh, openly add up as sort of a side gig for myself. I do present frequently at conferences regionally in the Southeast. And um, you know, for the most part, that's, you know, just, me putting myself out there and trying to uh, further the cause and spread the message on some of my more innovative projects as far as I can. And those are usually pretty well received. I've never been rejected from a speaking engagement uh, at a conference,
0: which is nice. You said you're presenting on fun projects, interesting projects. Has there been one or two that stand out that you've worked on?
1: Yes, I always enjoy my traffic signal retiming projects. Those are probably the most satisfying projects for the reasons that, number one, they're quick turnaround. Within a couple of months, you can develop new timing schemes for large scale traffic signal systems, throw the switch, and after a couple of days of adjustment, you've made, you can make phenomenal improvements in people's daily lives. And that's for all users, whether you're on a bike, your bus, a pedestrian, anything that touches a traffic signal, you're helping everyone in doing those projects. So I really enjoy those. And there's a couple of times I have actually managed some roadway projects. One of my last roadway projects in Kentucky, prior to moving to Georgia, the transportation cabinet had advertised what was really an intersection improvement project. But the way the description was written, we were questioning at our company at the time, what was really the goal of the project? There was an identified Problem at the intersection. And we did not believe that the proposed solution that was advertised was the best. In fact, we thought it really wouldn't do a whole lot of anything. So we went rogue on our proposal and actually proposed an alternative type of intersection. A quadrant intersection is what it's called. You can look it up on FHWA's website. It's very interesting. It's a means of taking a very complex. Eight phase traffic signal, meaning all left turns in all directions have arrows and it takes a lot of time to cycle around. And the only thing you can do short of you know completely blowing up the intersection and widening dramatically on both sides, remove the left turn phases and redirect those left turns through other movements through a larger intersection, or actually three smaller intersections. And that gives enough time back to the other two movements you can make massive improvements. And I got the job. We won the the project. We started designing it, sold the alternative to the transportation cabinet. They liked it. They're like, let's do it. Let's go for it. And uh, as the design began, that's when I moved to uh, Georgia. Since I think 2019, August 2019, the intersection actually opened to traffic and it's been very well received after a lot of very negative comments. I followed the project on the district's Facebook page, actually. It was rather interesting, some of
0: the... Commentary? Oh,
1: yeah, yeah. There's oh, whoever came up with this, they ought to be fired, blah, 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 and all kinds of uh, colorful comments. Yeah, it's very interesting to follow that. And then after it was um, opened, you see just the, the dramatic change. You know, One lady reported that project saves her five minutes each way going to work. Wow. And for the average commuter in that area, I think the average commute was 20, 25 minutes. So her commute was cut by five minutes each way. That's what makes all this worth it to me.
0: What changes have you seen over your 31 years of experience? You're like, that's not how we used to do it. And now something's way better.
1: Well, we don't have paper files anymore. That's one thing.
0: <laughs> this is This true.
1: Computing power <laughs> has certainly changed. The computer lab that I used in college, oh, my gosh, it's like a computer museum today. Certainly, the, the software tools that we have, far advanced compared to what they used to be, even the technology within the industry.
0: I know nothing about really signal design, and I'm assuming there's some software that is helping you with that. I mean, what's the flavor of software you're using? Maybe as a follow-up, you know, the big talk these days is AI and how can that help? Hmm.
1: Yeah, I've been wondering about the AI question. As far as design goes, it's really just CAD. If there's any design, structural type design that traffic engineers have to do, that's usually prescribed software by the state DOT to uh, basically just analysis software for the poles that would be erected and support the signals, whether it's a a strain pole that supports an aerial span or a mast arm pole, which is a bit more structural in nature. That type of analysis is not done in Georgia. We basically spot the poles and it's up to the contractor and the manufacturer to figure out what pole is going to hold it all up. It's probably a mixed bag, maybe 60-40, just on the states that I'm familiar with. 60% 60% have a type of software that they prescribe, and none of them are the same. It's very interesting.
0: What about signaling? In terms of signaling,
1: there's a, a variety of projects. The one that's uh, been tried and true and still the mainstay, even from the uh, DOS computer days, is the uh, highway capacity software based upon um, the highway capacity manual. It will be around forever. It's not going anywhere. There are some older, more classic programs from when I graduated school. They developed Windows emulations for them. But really, there's a couple of products that came into the market. Windows became prominent. And just for the fact that they were Windows and there was a GUI and they were pretty and attractive, they gained a lot of market share very quickly. So there's a package out there today called uh, Synchro and Sim Traffic. It's an entire suite of products that do both analysis and simulation of traffic. There's still more um, products out there that are, say, higher end. There's uh, the PTV Vision, visim is out there. It's part of a multi-package suite. Data is transferred from program to program to optimize signal timing, to optimize or present simulations travel demand modeling, it's getting into more of a um, mesoscopic type of, uh, there's a lot there. You're really uh, cross-blending transportation planning and long-range planning there with more of the traffic engineering analysis that you're doing for projects today.
0: Well, if I'm a young engineer, these are tools that you're probably getting or learning while you're in a workplace. I mean, is there any benefit of trying to dig up some of these before they even enter if that's where they would like to go or it's just kind of on the job, you're going to learn this stuff?
1: Several of these packages will have student licenses. I wouldn't doubt that some colleges have access to some of these. And even some colleges, uh, there's a, a research arm at the University of Kentucky called the Kentucky Transportation Center. You have to emphasize center so you don't confuse it with the Kentucky Transportation Cabinet. And um, they have a hardware and loop setup, which is very interesting. I had to, the ability to use it on a uh, project back in Kentucky one time. So there's other types of um, very, uh, I don't know, cutting edge, I mean, certainly more research-based types of um, things you can do integrating the actual technology that we have with uh, computer simulation in the lab environment.
0: Have you heard of... Uh... Software called Beyondware that does simulations no I interviewed him at the founders name's Sam came up with a software called Beyondware and a package I think it's called Beyond typicals, but it allows traffic projects to be simulated with a really beautiful graphic interface anyway, I was just curious if you heard that if anybody wants to check that out, we have a past podcast episode. We'll probably link that in the show notes. Well, it sounds like there's a ton of softwares that are out there and it sounds like institutions are definitely, you know, implementing them at some level. I guess while we're on that subject, is there advice that you would give maybe to younger engineers that are just starting out into this field? I would give you the advice of never
1: stop learning and find some higher level mentors. That's something that if I were to go back and talk to the 24, 25 year old me, that's something I would uh, definitely pursue and think of where you might want to be. I know, you know, some colleagues at competing firms, there are those chosen ones that are uh, identified to, you know, quickly rise up the ranks, you know, for engineers they have some level of charisma and can go out and do sales and uh, give speeches at conferences and things of that sort. They may not be the type to get that you know, strong foundational basis, you know, put in their 10,000 hours before they're just you know, rocketed up to start them at some higher level. I would recommend a blend, learn some people skills, learn some soft skills. There's a ton of resources out there today relative to leadership, management, different management styles, those soft skills. They go a long way. Yeah, they go a tremendously long way to advancing your career as much as being authoritative and very knowledgeable of uh, your core work, whatever it is you're practicing.
0: Yeah, a lot of people call these soft skills people skills now, as you need to really interact with people. And um, sometimes your engineering background and your university level, you're cranking out work and then you get out into the field and you're typing a lot of emails and You're talking to a lot of people and shaking hands and all that jazz. And sometimes that might not translate well and you have to learn those things. But definitely an important skill. Paul, is there any other challenges in the industry or any other pieces of advice that you would like to give us?
1: One of the challenges, I think, uh, particularly in transportation, is getting the bodies into transportation. Particularly here in the southeast, we have a shortage of uh, traffic engineers, Uh, the Georgia Department of Transportation, to throw in just yet another example, throws out tens of millions of dollars annually to outsourced consultants to perform traffic operations work. And that's everything from daily maintenance and operations of traffic signals to using big data platforms to identify the most congested intersections in the state to finding The most problematic safety concerns around the state and recommending projects to mitigate both the operational and safety concerns. So they're constantly on the prowl to make things better. Very progressive state to work in and, uh, you know, extremely well funded in spite of the uh, additional funding that's coming in. The retention level right now is uh, not great. We have uh, some graduates, they'll come in, they'll give things a try for a few years and they'll leave the industry or they'll leave the state. In addition to you know just the general retention of everyone hopping around and changing jobs the last couple of years with the great resignation. I was one of those job changers uh, through the pandemic myself. So I understand it. You know, talents are always on the move. And certainly... I have had the honor and pleasure of working with a number of young people over my career and I can look back and see the positions that some of them are in now. One young lady got a very nice promotion, regional promotion just this past week. I need to catch up with her and hear all about that. But very proud of her and having been a former supervisor of hers and we worked together many years.
0: Well, for those considering this field in transportation engineering, if you're just starting out, would you know, maybe you don't know, I don't know, but what kind of salary range would you expect for a starting engineer? And then what would you expect for someone that's more seniored? Interesting.
1: I think the going rate for a graduate, engineering graduate in our area, Metro Atlanta right now, is probably in the plus or minus 72 range. Someone a little more say mid level in their career. I'm trying to think. Everybody's hitting a hundred thousand dollars a lot sooner than I did in their careers these days. Maybe someone could expect uh, you know, something in the hundred thousand range, perhaps ten to twelve years in their career these days, probably you know, twenty for us. I know G Dot as an organization pays very well for a public sector agency.
0: Yeah, and typically the dots have better. Benefits and usually less pay, but it sounds like GDOT is a good place. Maybe you get both. It's appealing for a
1: lot of people. It really is. And then, um, you know, probably your more senior project managers, uh, 20, 25 year career mark right now, 160, 170 range, I would think. Maybe up to 175, depending. I tell people all the time that, you know, civil engineering, it's a good career. You can make a very good living out of it. You won't make you wealthy, but you can make a good living.
0: Oh, yeah. And we've done past shows. I've talked about civil engineering as a whole. Yeah, you'll make a good living doing this. Very stable work is always there and you're always needed. And you contribute to society in ways that other professions really don't. So it's a unique position to be in. I thought that was an interesting question. I think it gives people a mindset of like, oh, okay, yeah, transportation, that's a good area. And that's kind of what they can expect, maybe in terms of salary. So. I need to wrap this up, but Paul, this has been awesome. Thank you for giving us more insight into the work you do, transportation engineering as a whole. And uh, I think it's been really fun to kind of just discuss that whole thing with you. So thank you for doing this with me. I
1: appreciate the opportunity. Thank you, Isaac.
0: All right. We'll catch you maybe on another one in the future. I'd be entertained to do it. Thank you. Hey, thanks again for listening to the Civil Engineering Academy podcast. Thanks for joining me today. If you want, please leave a review or a comment or a like. They definitely go a long way and share it with a friend because why not? It helps. Hey, if you're interested in becoming a guest, feel free to shoot me an email, Isaac at civilengineeringacademy.com. And if you know anyone or yourself personally, definitely check out our website, civilengineeringacademy.com, where we can help you on your journey to become a professional engineer, whether that's to help you pass your FE or your PE, or just get great career advice. And if you're interested in becoming a sponsor of this podcast and have an amazing outreach to other civil engineers, also shoot me an email and we'll be there to help you. Anyway, thanks for joining me today and we'll see you in the next one. Bye.